Robert Brain, an anthropologist who has studied friendship in several widely different cultures, says that ritual is one of the universally important ingredients in good relationships. When we stop to think about it, husbands and wives cement their love with many ceremonies, kissing goodnight, celebrating anniversaries, giving jewelry, telephoning when they are apart, bringing each other breakfast in bed, taking an evening walk together. The person sensitive to the deepening of friendship will be on the lookout for similar rituals, a weekly lunch together, a regular golf date, or a yearly fishing trip can be important events. Handshakes, hugs, joking, and rough housing. All these gestures put love in the bank and gain interest for the future. When my son was in junior high, I began driving him to school each morning and became our habit to eat breakfast together on the way. We tried several eateries until we found Vern's Coffee Shop, where they serve the best grilled English muffins in the world. Sometimes we hardly talked over our eggs. At other times, we revealed to each other profound emotions which we disclosed to no one else. That breakfast ritual helped us through the stormy adolescent years. My son is a grown man now and lives in another city. But when he comes home, the family understands that the two of us must prepare to Vern's at least one morning during his stay. It is a ritual of unspoken significance which has accrued over the years. One of the best ways to deepen a friendship is by eating together. It is no accident that so many important encounters occurred between Jesus and his friends when they were at a table. There is something almost sacramental about breaking bread with another. Have you ever noticed how difficult it is to have dinner with an enemy and remain enemies? So, if you want to change an enemy into a friend, try inviting the person to your home and with your feet under the same table, talk out the problem. Or if you wish to promote stronger relationships with more people, invite someone different to lunch every week or offer to meet people for coffee before work. Another method of accumulating good memories is to help your friend with some task. Working shoulder to shoulder with another can tighten your relationship even when few words are spoken. Look for the person who is doing some unpleasant task and offer to help get it done in half the time. You may be surprised at the warmth that will return to you in the future. Married couples could enjoy each other more if they work together more. Our foolish division of labor, according to Rose, often leaves a wife indoors to wash the dishes while her husband goes outdoors to wash the car. Why not do both tasks together and enjoy each other's company in the process? Part of the richness one feels in the best relationships is the result of many memories garnered over the years. Memories of favors done back and forth, tools lent, errands done, articles clipped for the other to read, a thousand tiny statements of love.
Frederick Speakman once wrote a book entitled Love is Something You Do. The title is apt for when we think of love, we tend to think of spectacular emotions and heroic acts for the beloved. But little of life is passed in moments of intensity, important as they are. The best relationships are built up like a fine lacquer finish with the accumulated layers of many acts of kindness. When Albert Einstein's wife died in 1936, his sister Maha moved in to assist the great genius with his household affairs. In 1950, she suffered a stroke and lapsed into a coma. Thereafter, Einstein spent two hours each afternoon with her, reading aloud from Plato. Although she gave no sign of understanding, his intuition told him that a part of her mind lived and he knew how much love could be communicated through an attentive act. Rule number four, then, for improving your relationships, learn the gestures of love. In my work as a marriage counselor, I am frequently surprised at the naivety of, of couples who become disillusioned when the first blush of romantic emotion has faded. With terrible guilt, a woman will say, Doctor, I'm afraid I don't love my husband anymore. What's wrong with me? Nothing is wrong with her, of course, except that she's probably spending too much time analyzing her feelings. The experts at love realize that emotions ebb and flow, and they look for suggestions of love even when their emotions are on the way. What's more, they are never content with telling the beloved they care. They show it in small expressions of affection. Mark Twain once said, Love seems the swiftest, but it is the slowest of all growths. A husband takes a long lunch hour and drives 20 miles home to take his wife to her favorite restaurant. A man sees a new book at the shop, buys it, and mails it to his friend's office with a note. A woman hears an acquaintance say she could eat watercress every day of her life, and she never has her for dinner without having watercress especially for her plate. These are the gestures that bond people together and prevent fractures when the relationship is under strain. I talked to a man whose marriage had gone bad after 18 years. How did you know that it was over? I asked. When she stopped putting toothpaste in my toothbrush in the mornings, he replied, when we were first married, whoever got up first would roll toothpaste on the other's brush and leave it lying on the sink. Somewhere along the line, we stopped doing that for each other, and the marriage went downhill from there. That, of course, is an oversimplification of why a marriage went wrong, but the little courtesies do count. They count a lot. The roots of the deepest love, wrote von Herder, die in the heart if not tenderly cherished. And Edna St. Vincent Millay lamented, Tis not love's going hurts my days, but that it went in little ways. The minuscule act of kindness has great power because it demonstrates that you have not taken your beloved for granted. 
You took the time to think what might bring a moment of happiness. Gillette Burgess sent a friend a book in which the friend promptly acknowledged. But two months afterward, the woman wrote another letter telling what she thought of the book, proving she had read it. She had the educated heart, Burgess writes. For to such persons, things are something like mortgages to be paid in installments.